Welcome to Ready Layer One, a crypto podcast focusing on the Near Protocol ecosystem. In this episode, we start off with a quick chat about Paris, an NFT marketplace that focuses on digital collectibles built on Near, how we use it, and some other NFT launch pads that are being built. Then with this week's wormhole hack, we have to discuss Aurora, an EVM, Ethereum virtual machine created by the team at the Near Protocol. And then Joe deep dives into Machina, the world's first proof-of-stake storage solution built on Near. Lastly, Joe has an update on an update on an update in the NFT space on Oasis Network and Joe's surprise NFT Mint experience. We hope you enjoy. And now let's jump right into discussing Paris. It's pretty good. Do you think there's room to compete? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll give a, I'll give a specific example. So I minted that Solana project on Friday. Nice, yeah. you did? Yeah, the Cartoon Cartel. And they used one, so there's like three or four different marketplaces on Solana. And I, they used Magic Eden. And that was actually like a really slick marketplace for minting. Uh, I was actually really impressed of like the interface and how it, it worked. Um, and it was all pretty good. Now, the mint wasn't seamless. It was pretty good, um, but it wasn't seamless, seamless by any means. Um, but... The interface was really, really good and really interesting. And then people can resell them anywhere. Like you can resell them on any one of these different other marketplaces. Um, so there's there's room there. Like there's opportunity to do different things there. Um, I've also looked at, I don't know if you looked at like Nifty Gateway. That's one of the Ethereum ones owned by Gemini. Yeah, yeah. I you know, like, you know, that competes kind of with OpenSea, but they do something a little bit different. So, you know, there's always room for, for multiple ones. And if you can do something. Yeah. Like, I think, isn't like Near Tiger going to come out with some sort of, that's kind of their thing as they're coming out with a, a launch pad for NFTs. So there's a difference though. I think, I think we should just, I guess you want to break them out though. Like there's a marketplace and then there's like launch pads. Okay. So. I tend to so while Paris lets you actually do a launch, like Near Kong's launched on Paris, so they did like their minting on there. Wait, which which really, one? Near Kong's. Oh yes. So that was a really interesting way to do it. So like, they would all be released, and they'd be for like a certain price, and so you could see which ones they were. Like you weren't, it wasn't like randomly generated. Oh, because... Near Kong's wasn't that way, was it? I thought Near Kong's. Oh you're thinking, no! You're thinking of the Como. Como yeah. yeah, I didn't do Near Kong's. Yeah, so Near Kong's did that, and so it was weird because like you would see all the ones that were now available because like it was like okay, we're dropping our next 500, and so you'd go on and you'd see them all, and they're all for the mint price of like what I think it was like two and a half near, and you could pick it which was fine it just takes away a little bit from the fun i think of like what am i gonna get right agree so but they do have that, that stuff so i think there's room though for like launch pads that allow you to actually do the minting do the process and then there's you know the marketplace and i think there's definitely room for another marketplace and there's definitely room for uh launch pads you know i know like the skelly society is doing a launch pad you know and they already have I think five projects signed up for it. I know. See, and so here's what I'm wondering. So Paris, is it going to maybe because it is it going to be like the marketplace to go to right now? 
And then there yeah. would be these launch pads where everybody launches their NFTs. People get them, then they go to Paris and flip them on Paris. Yeah. I'd be okay with that because Paris is saying that in their roadmap they want to have a launch pad. Yeah. They haven't yet, though. Where I'm going to be super interested is when you can stake NFTs. I don't even know what that's going to mean, but all these NFTs I've got, I'm not planning on selling. I'm not flipper. I just want to stake them either on Near 10 or Paris. I don't think I'm going to be able to get a Near 10 whitelist because I don't want to like shill as much as they want for a whitelist. I was like, oh shit, this is like hourly shilling. Yeah, yeah, I got a job. I got like, <laughs> right, right, yeah. I Someone sees my Twitter, they're like Jared's going crazy for a cartoon house. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no. I'll just buy one on the secondary market for like a hundred near. With this week's wormhole hack, which was wild, I think it's a great time to discuss Aurora, which is an EVM built on near, and we can even try to discuss the Rainbow Bridge. So, Joe, what are some of your thoughts? Bridge is a really interesting concept. So uh, for people who don't know, so a, a bridge is, is something that sits uh, as a essentially a side chain uh, to the main layer of whatever uh, blockchain we're talking about. So uh, for example, in Nier, uh, they have Aurora, which is uh, EVM based, meaning that it interfaces with Ethereum and it's using Ethereum as its main uh, transaction point. And, but it's actually a side chain. It's attached to Near. So you know, well, we can get a little further into that. And so the Solana thing is where, you know, their bridge that is connecting again to Ethereum, because that is the main player still, is uh, that, that, transact, that uh, bridge there was hacked and led to a leak of, what, $300 million or something like that? Is Solana to Wormhole the same as near to Aurora? So I'm not exactly sure of the exact technology that they're using there. So th- there's there's a couple different type of side chains that are there. And I'm not exactly sure which one Wormhole is. So, uh, but, so some are ones that are essentially layer twos. And so they are sitting on top of Ethereum. And so that layer two is that they kind of act, they act somewhat independently from the main layer of Ethereum. And maybe they have their own token, maybe they don't. And then they essentially speed up transactions or they compile transactions together and then send them back to the main layer one, which is Ethereum. Then there's these bridges that work only in essentially concert with another layer one. So Solana is layer one, Ethereum is a layer one, Wormhole sits in between and allows you to essentially translate your EVM-based project, uh, that's Ethereum virtual machine, so that base project over to Solana, and they do essentially also like uh, any kind of DeFi stuff too. So if I'm going to exchange my Ethereum for Solana, they can handle that. Uh, if I want to bring my projects over, they can do all of that. I don't know exactly all of the token mechanisms, though, uh, in, in Wormhole. Okay, cool. And because near from what I've been trying to gather, and I definitely look to you for the more tech aspect. So you've got near, you've got Aurora, you also have Rainbow Bridge. So I don't quite understand how all three of those work together. And then also in doing like some research, uh, it says that Aurora is a smart contract on top of near. So it actually uses Nier's processing. So it's almost 
Why would it do that? What does that mean? Because not all other ones do that. No, no. So Aurora is really interesting because uh, it's not its own sidechain. It's not, it is not its own independent process. What all it is, is it is a smart contract built on top of the near network. So all its transactions are actually happening uh, on the near network. So you get all of the benefits of the speed and throughput and all the different transaction benefits that you get from near are all happening there. What you get to do though, is if you have a project already that's been built in an EVM, you know, that you can then translate it over to there. And so what they do is that their native token is actually Ethereum because they're letting you bring over uh, your work, any work that you've done in that EVM. But what they do though, then is that when those, whatever you're, whatever you built out, when those transactions actually happen, it's happening fully on near. And there are Aurora tokens, but those are purely governance tokens. Those are not meant as, um, any type of financial thing. They're not made for gas or for transactions. They are, they are made for governance only uh, to kind of essentially for the DAO of Aurora. And then everything, though, is happening on, on Near. It's spending Near. It's using Near for everything. Why don't all other like have that same thing, smart contract built on it for their Ethereum projects? Like it just seems like it minimizes the amount of risk, but maybe not. It's super clever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. I, I don't know you know, enough of why certain chains have made different decisions. But I think the strength that Nier has done, you know, throughout the time here and in their roadmap is really believing in themselves and saying, we're going to bet on ourselves and we're going to say that what we can do is better than anything else out there. And we think that we can scale much more, much better than any other blockchain out there. So when we, but we do recognize that we are not the biggest player yet. We are not some a, a, a technology that it has mass adoption just yet. So we need to have bridges. We need to have the ability to interplay and allow developers to feel comfortable coming over. And so having an EVM option is important right now. Uh, that may change in five years, but right now you need to have that. But for them, it, they didn't want to do roll-ups. We know that's where, again, you, you process multiple transactions, roll them up into one, send them back, you know, because, again, uh, at some point you still have to interface with Ethereum. They didn't want to, you know, do any of these things where they're running their own sidechain and running separate tokens. Like, for them, it was like, you know, again, bet on yourself. So we think that Near does it better. We're going to do all the transactions in Near, and that's how we're going to do it. We're just going to let you reuse your code here as well. When I look at Near versus other layer ones, they're building community slowly, right? And crypto can go parabolic real fast. Every mint, you've got a hundred thousand people trying to mint on your network, and you just have issues. Near yeah. seems to be growing a little bit slower, which for price and stuff over the last year has done okay. But I think o over the next few years, that's a really smart way to go because they're still rolling out Doom Slug and yeah, yeah. like they still got more to, to grow to handle. Like if 100,000 people hit near, it would slow it up so much when it would not do a great job. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think there is a very thoughtful approach that that Nier has taken. As long as you are progressing on the technology, because as we've seen, like the technology failing is, is going to start to catch up with people. Like, I mean, there's a million stories now about Solana's issues. And so, you know, uh, their, their financial backers, uh, the financial industry, you know, developers are all getting a little weary of it of like how many times we have to keep running into different issues around here well and um you said something about backers so i'm really into like the narratives of crypto right because like there's technical aspect but most people like me don't understand it to the level that needs to be understood to be like oh yeah clearly it's an evm and it's uh, got a zk roll up and but like to me it gets a little bit too heady when i look at narratives soul or solana has this interesting thing that's happening where people loved it then it had some issues. Now the narrative is like, okay, it's VC backed. It's, it's, it wanted, it, it went for growth, not for quality, like fix it as you go, release things early. And then they get a $320 million hack plus, and leading up to that has been what a few outages for long periods of time. Yeah. That's yeah. a bad narrative. That's a hard narrative to shake. And even in near, I'm starting to see people with dot soul jumping over and coming into the NFT space there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that, that so you're going to see those type of things. We talked a little bit about that, I think, last week, too, of like, you know, developers talk to each other and they see that and they say, oh, this project went a little bit smoother over here. Let's let's start moving our thing. And and that's where, again, you know, when we talk about who's going to maybe win long term, the concern I always have is, you know, how are how is the network addressing its issues? And. I have not heard anything from the Solana team that makes me feel confident that long term they're going to properly address all of the issues because they're continuing to have outages, which is fine. I understand they can't fix it in one day. You can't fix it in a week even, but they're not communicating in a way that makes me feel like, oh, this is going to get better. Yeah. And I'll tell you something about Nier. Their communication is on point. So the Aurora, I've got a... so. Near as their validators will allow people, you can stake a validator and then give people rewards in a different coin than in near. So Aurora has a validator mm-hmm. on the site. You put in money and, and I, you know, I staked some of my near there. And then yeah. I noticed that a little bit of the near went missing. It actually went down a little. Mm-hmm. And the, the CEO of Aurora popped on Twitter right away and was like, all right, everyone. So here's what happened. There's a little bit of code. Uh, we're, we're working on it right now. You don't have to do anything. And now all of it's come back plus a little extra. So they rewrote the code. So actually, instead of breaking even, you get it like 1% plus all of this stuff. So sure. not only did it like turn out to be better, but I mean, marginally better, not really a big yeah, deal, yeah. but but the communication yeah. was there the whole time. Right. And there's been other instances with Nier where things have gone wrong and they communicated out right away. Have you gone on the YouTube channels of Nier or Aurora? Yes. The amount of views those videos gets is criminal. It's like 120. The CEO of Aurora goes on every week, Alex, and gives an update for 10 to 30 minutes on Aurora. Every week. And they get 100. I can't believe it. And and, and Nier had this whiteboard series. I mean, it's truly an interesting phenomenon in crypto that I'm trying to understand where like one can just pump so much off pure speculation. Sure. No, nothing to prove it, but just a really good charismatic leader. And then you have something where it's like, oh, whoa, these people have two and a half years of web videos where they're just talking about like the in-depth of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's unfortunately, I think, how some of this stuff works. 
but I think we're going to see again in the long term, you know, that if you are not building something that is valuable, if you do not have apps on top of your ecosystem that people want to use, if you don't have projects that people are interested in, you're not going to stick around. This week, you've been looking into Machina, which is a proof-of-stake storage solution built on Near. And I thought I was calling it Machina in my head for the longest time until I found a video. I was calling it Machina in my head until I found a video that called it Machina. Uh, so what have you found? It's a really interesting um, piece of technology that they're trying to, I guess, implement. So the way we've talked about before, such like with NFTs as the example, so that like the actual NFT itself is not actually stored on the blockchain. It's just the smart contract that is the transaction that's there that actual nft is that that jpeg or whatever it might be is actually stored someplace else it might be using a different kind of blockchain or not you know there's all different ways of, of doing that so what what they're building out and i think it's supposed to come out at the end of this this year this calendar year is essentially a on-chain storage system which is called machina that allows you to store files um you know on chain and so the benefit of that obviously is that you now have a decentralized uh storage facility and you can now uh kind of combine your smart contract on near and now you have whatever maybe is tied into that whatever digital asset is there and everything can kind of coexist and work together and now it's all truly decentralized uh, and what they're trying to do because it's built using technology that's on near is that it's essentially trying to remove uh, gas fees from that because it doesn't actually have to it, the the storage itself is not actually using smart contracts um, so they're actually just trying to say here's the, the data is here it's decentralized and the smart contract can leverage it but we're not going to have a secondary fee to exchange data and things like that. Is it like a Dropbox or is it way different? Is it like actually having a hard drive on the internet? Well, I mean, so it's gotta be stored somewhere, right? So uh, so it's the same idea as like the blockchain itself, right? So the blockchain itself is set up in a way that, you know, again, it's not on just one particular machine. It's, it's uh, it's decentralized. It's across everyone's machines who is on that network. Uh, and then also, you know, again, we're going to take sharding out of it. The idea that near is introducing sharding. And so that's a whole separate thing. So we're going to put that to the side for a second. But um, yeah, if you think of it like that, it's like, yes, technically these are, are stored somewhere, um, but it's going to have to, it's going to be all over the place. It's truly decentralized. Now, I don't know the specifics of how they are doing that. Uh, I mean, there are examples you can look to in the past of just decentralized storage. Um, if you don't know, like, you know, for example, uh, if you don't know how things work today on the current, like NFTs, if you, if you're kind of a, I guess an older internet person, you may have heard of BitTorrent and BitTorrent, you know, where you were exchanging different files and, maybe sharing things that maybe weren't the most legal of things <laughs> all the time, like, you know, like, um, you know, newly released movies. So like those are decentralized type of things where 
you know, there is pieces of those files that are kind of across, you know, across this decentralized network. And so you're not actually just downloading one file from one person, a one-to-one exchange. It's, you know, pieces of that file are broken up and it's all over because it's all, again, it's all ones and zeros, right? So we're just moving around those bits to actually, you know, get where we're trying to go. Wow. I almost don't know if in, 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 investing in the crypto space if it's better to know a lot or know a little and what i mean by that is all this stuff is so complex that when i'm looking at like stuff to invest in i have to really try to just cipher between what is a shill from somebody copying and pasting white paper highlights and saying like can you believe machine is going to be decentralized storage and on the other side how is that going to affect the system as a whole and how am i use it for someone who's not developing i mean i think there's there's really two important parts here for me, I think of. First is that it shows the innovation of what Near is trying to do. And if so, if you're if you're wanting to invest in it or you're 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 excited about projects coming down the pipeline, then to me it's like, okay, Near this is what Near is trying to do. This is super exciting. Um, let's get you know, that's great. The other side of that is though if you are just simply someone who is continuing to be in this space and wanting to do different things, I think, you know, whether it's store your own stuff, maybe be part of a project, maybe just continue to buy into things. I think it's important to understand what technologies are really doing there. Because a theme that we've had so far, you know, just overall, you know, in the crypto space lately, is this idea of Web3, right? So Web3 is our transition to a different kind of just total online experience overall. And the, the, the supposed change that is brought with Web3 is decentralization, where everything is now obviously centralized. We're going away from that. But to really truly get to decentralization, you need things like Machina that are truly, again, taking everything and making sure that it is secure and decentralized and, you know, in a way that is also efficient because decentralization again, exists today in a lot of different formats, but it's either, but you, you kind of have trade-offs. It's either really slow. It's either really not secure. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different issues there. So th- those are the things that you start to see overall of like, how does that bigger picture go together? And so Aurora is a part of this too, just because they're on top of Near, And because again, with their EVM stuff and their projects, they'll be able to leverage this as well. You know, most projects that are coming over on their EVM are things that are going to need some kind of file storage. Where's that file storage exist now? So if you buy an NFT now, it, I mean, all over the place. Uh, so <laughs> NFTs are really interesting. And like some are using like the Filecoin chain. Um, there are a couple different storage services um, that allow you to, again, kind of store things in a um, decentralized way. Uh, it, it's uh, like the, uh, I want to say it's, yeah, IPFS, you know, and so like uh, that's a, that's a different, that's a, own protocol, like just think of like um, HTTP in your URL. Uh, IPFS, you know, allows you to have this different kind of protocol that again, allows you to have some storage and, you know, essentially 
uh, again, it's, it's, a, it's a decentralized file setting. So again, near is just saying in, in, you know, in conjunction with the Aurora team, we want to have our own thing, you know, uh, IPFS is open source. It's great. It's, it's doing its job now. And that's where, again, where most of the stuff is happening again to do that. But they say, again, we think we can do it better. Our transactions are more efficient. We're going to, the more things that are in-house, the better. Not being a technical person, hearing you talk about it, I'm like, oh, that's that sounds dope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's exciting stuff. I mean, they're they're really pushing the boundaries here. And we're in such early stages of this. I mean, I have uh, my, you know, I'm like the guy that a lot of non-crypto people will like ping and text and be like, hey, am I too late? And I'm like, we can't even do a proper NFT drop with 5,000 people. No. No, you are not too late. Yeah. <laughs> um, so early. It's cool. And I think the idea that I get to be part, like I got to actually invest in the part of sort of this ecosystem. Yep. It's such a unique concept. And I don't know what that's going, the effect of that's going to be over the next 20 years. Well, in 20 years from now, people be like, wait, you would just go on whatever Facebook and just give them all your info and just, they, they got all the money and then you did everything for them and you posted yeah. videos. And, and in 20 years, like our kids will be like, uh, yeah, you would of course be part of a DAO. And then you would have, you know, like if I'm a fan, I'd get the NFT and then I'd be royalty split and I'd create content for them. And it's like, oh yeah, this all makes sense yeah no i I mean it it makes a ton of sense and and what i I think is exciting and which i would have loved you know when i was certainly younger and and had more time for adventurous projects is the ability to essentially self-fund you know the the self-funding aspect is, is super interesting because like you are now really being judged on your merits if you can do something cool and you can get people to find out about it uh, you're in great shape and you can do it yourself and you don't have to go, you know, shill for money. I think that's a big problem. Like, so you've got VC funds, like, so it's sort of the internet world. Now you've got VC funds. If you're, uh, an investor that has over a million dollars or whatever of assets and you can invest in these VC funds, which gives you an edge over people who don't have that much money. And then you get to yep. get in on early stage funding and then you get to become a billionaire <laughs> or like really, okay. you know, and I kind of, I think the idea of like say an NFT project that's going to build a launchpad. They drop 500 NFTs, everyone buys them, and maybe there's some sort of revenue split or some sort of something down the road. Yeah. just makes so much more sense to me because then you get 500 people who might become thousandaires. Yep. Even multi-hundred thousandaires instead of three billionaires and Jeff Bezos on a $500 million yacht trying to just, you know, break down a historical (laughs) bridge. You know, like like that shouldn't be. Right. You know, like there should be, how yeah. dope would it be if everybody who worked at an Amazon warehouse had an NFT and got a little bit of a split? Sure. Dude, like, right. come on. Right. And this gets a little bit more philosophical, but you can tell someone new to crypto or someone who gets into on a project and invests money. And the difference between someone who hasn't invested in a project and has is greatly different. Cause once your money's in it, you become a fan of it. Sure. That's sort of a the early stages, but down the road, that'll be more refined. And anytime you invest in something, you become a super fan. As soon as you cut out that middleman, you know, I mean, it just, it really opens the doors and, and it takes away those gatekeepers that, you know, that for a lot of people are sometimes just too much to overcome. 
Okay. So, I want to do some, like, follow-up of the follow-up of the follow-up that I think is super interesting. So, um, so we've been talking over the past few weeks about uh, Oasis and their NFTs. And uh, right before we actually recorded this episode, we just saw Oasis Punk just sold for 45,000 uh, Rose tokens, which is insane. Um, you know, I mean, it's just At the time, crazy. that's like over 15 grand. Yeah, crazy numbers here. Um, and so, but one of the things we brought up was another project that is uh, really big on that network called Oasis Apes. And we talked about them because they were delaying, uh, because they saw what how the mint went kind of poorly with Oasis uh, Punks. And then, so they kind of waited. They got some help to try to make this a smoother process because the big issue, uh, you can go back and listen, I think in episode one, we talked about... Uh, like the gas issues and all that other stuff with it, right? Maybe episode two, I don't know. But um, uh, anyways, so they finally launched Oasis Apes. Whitelist, so they did a whitelist, they did a public. Whitelist went completely sideways, and I, I don't really fully understand what, what happened. It seems like they just had trouble putting all the addresses in um, to mark which wallets were whitelist, and so they had to break it up over a couple of days, and do it in chunks of like 200 um really you know strange issue but then they did a public launch and the public launch went very smoothly uh they had really no real issues and did not have a gas war no they um, didn't no and what was really interesting is one they they preset the gas price so when you connected, you actually would do it and you would actually preset the gas price. It was already preset. So everyone was kind of equal and you could mess with it. I mean, obviously you, you can, but like MetaMask would warn you and say like, you're, you're adjusting this off of what was recommended, you know, whatever else. And, you know, it was really then just about like who got in on the queue ahead of time. There were some hangups. Definitely people were complaining of like, oh, I didn't get through. But that's going to happen with anything. Um, I decided to jump in. I, though, changed uh, the gas price um, a little bit. And so it's instead of it being like 0.002 rows for the gas, I made it to 0 0.02 uh, rows. And I got through no problem. Awesome. No issues. One try, one hit, no issues. Um and they sold out in 10 minutes uh, with really minimal people complaining. Uh, so super interesting. Um, so I am a owner of, of an Oasis Ape. Um, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I just hold on to it or whatever. But I thought it was a really interesting transition from a poor experience. But that market, I mean, we see the Oasis Punks is still going crazy. But that was a poor experience. And this was a very good experience. And so I'm curious to see now what happens with this secondary market. Uh, and a lot less of them. Only, I think, um, like like a little over 3,000 were minted. Uh, where it was just, uh, Punks was 10,000. Wow, that'll be interesting. Dude, that's good to hear. And uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, a, good, it was a good experiment. Um, but yeah, so that was... That was, uh, I guess, like my my big hit for the week last week. That's great. Well, congrats on being an Oasis Eight. I was more or less excited because for for myself, it was just like I wanted to see the process. 
you know like if i didn't get one like i was cool like i was not like oh this was a a must have for me it, it was like here 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 is they've been talking about like delaying and everything because they wanted to learn from the previous launches and let's see what they really learned let's see how this really goes uh they did mint on their own site so it was not through another third party uh you know and it all went really pretty well uh so uh, that was a, a good positive experience of seeing how the Emerald Network on Oasis uh, hopefully can, you know, do what it promised. And that's yeah. good to hear that they're adapting. I mean, there's so many smart people in the space. Um, yeah. Well, and to kind of juxtapose that on Near for the first mint ever on Near Street Wolves was the first time. And I mean, I've been buying NFTs on Near since last year. First one I didn't get. I clicked. And I was already sold out. And I mean, I did it right at the time. Like they popped up on the yeah. Discord mint. I hit it, but I had it prepped in the queue. That's a question I have. Should I actually hit the mint button when they say mint? Or I'd already hit mint and it was just ready to approve on. I was like in the queue that far. Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. I don't I don't know the answer to that right now. Uh, I'm not sure how that all works together. Yeah, I also don't know how I didn't get one because you didn't get one either. And we both hit it. No, I'm talking on the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there you could not hit a button faster. So near either, and the demand was pretty high on it, you know, but I'm wondering if now that's the first time that's happened on near. It, it mean, that's made the community's growing. It definitely means, I, yeah, I agree. I definitely think it means that the community is growing. And the flippers um, are coming in. Once the one, like, that's the thing. Once the people who are just down to flip them come in, there must be like a group of a couple thousand of these people and they just come in and they buy hard and they start flipping right away. Because we, I bought one on the secondary right afterwards for twice the price. Yeah, so I, I think that I mean, to me though, that's the bigger story of like who comes into these projects now, because one of the things that we're gonna see is like, are are the hardcore flippers all gonna start coming into these projects? Come in, you know, try to flip and then you know bounce and whatever and, and see how it goes where you know how much do people want to stay and you're seeing you're definitely seeing a lot of that more in some of the newer near projects you're definitely seeing people come in they try to flip they get upset um you know uh and and, th and then like oh why is the floor pr price price so low and it's like well you know this is these are small projects still these are still small communities um not everything is going to just take off right away uh, I definitely saw in the Discord for the, uh, how do you say, Kukumongo cons, those ones. Uh, people are freaking, you know, people who came in to try to flip are freaking out because those are actually below mint price, some of them. Yeah, they are. You know, and like, but they have ambitious roadmap and they have, you know, and that's one of the ones they're like, we're trying to build something, you know. It feels like the 2017 ICO craze. I was there. I was ICOing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's going to be a lot of that. So uh, thanks for your you're trying to like teach me about the Aurora and like EVM, man. I'm trying to learn. So thank you. We all are. <laughs> We're all trying. This, is, this is new to everybody. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure I'm making mistakes, but yeah, no, this is, this is uh, exciting times. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next week and let's stand by because I think this is the week that Mr. Brown mints. So good luck. I'm going to. We're whitelisted, so we'll try to get a couple. Yeah. Awesome stuff. All right, man. All right, we'll see you. Bye, Joe. Jared and Joe Talk Crypto is provided for educational information and entertainment purposes only. 
without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. You should not make any decision, financial investment, trading, or otherwise based on any of the information presented in this podcast without undertaking independent due diligence and consultant and consultation with a professional broker or financial advisory.